Coast Church, Charlotte. My title today is Hold It Together. Hold it together. Uh, Hebrews 1 and 1, long ago, this is the CEV version. Long ago, in many ways and at many times, God's prophet spoke his message to our ancestors. But now at last, God sent his son to bring his message to us. God created the universe by his son, and everything will someday belong to the son. There is a contest in the hearts and souls of humanity where not everyone has surrendered to God. There is a resistance of some that need to surrender to God, but someday everyone, somebody say everyone, someday, somehow, in some way, everything will belong to Jesus. Uh, Jesus has all the brightness of God's own glory and is like him in every way. And I want you to notice this next passage. By his own mighty word, he holds the universe together. Yes. Um, so... I have a, a fun subject. You know, I'm going to sweat through this jacket, so if y'all will forgive me, I'm going to disrobe in front of you right now, and y'all try not to hold it against me. That's easy, easy. I'll deal with you later. Um, so um, I'm trying to stay cool. I look at all you cool people, and there's no way I can be as cool as y'all wearing that jacket, so I'm going to have to cool off here. Uh, I'm so thankful for, in the difficulties of my life, God helped me to hold it together. I want to say I couldn't have done it without him. How many of you have ever found yourself in a bit of a mess? Raise your hand in the most confessional manner. Now put a guilty expression on your face and nod pitifully like, yep, you ought to know about me. In a difficult situation, I love the testimonies of our church. Some of you guys don't know the testimonies of our church, but Brother Carlos used to be a metal rocker, he, a heavy metal rocker. He had hair bigger than his house. In fact, there was rumors that he had mice that lived in his his hair. That's a total joke. He got married, and uh, his wife fixed all of that once and for all, uh, and his son takes credit for it in the manner of sons everywhere. Well done. Uh, Brother Don used to be a DJ in Jamaica, man. He used to be a DJ. You know what they say about DJs in Jamaica, man? Nothing good. <laughs> we have so many testimonies of where uh, God, God has brought us. Uh, my wife used to have have a, a serious problem with spousal abuse. And God has brought her from us, say it with me, somebody, a mighty long way. It's like the psalmist said, some come from far. Yes. So if you've ever seen me beat up and whatnot, you got to know that not all people live in peace. How many of you have ever been in a situation that if you, if it had gone a little bit different, you could have ended up in prison the rest of your life? Um, how many of you have been in a situation where if it had gone a little bit different, you could be in the grave here today? Over and over again, God has kept this mess together. I wonder if I could get a better praise than that from some of you guys. Over and over again, God has kept this mess together. Life and death are often in the step of one position to another, but God keeps us together. Uh, future hope and, 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 and loss are oftentimes in a small way the difference of a decision you make today. You don't see the consequences of that decision uh, to come, but uh, it is made today. And you look back at circumstances in your life, and you honestly do not know how God brought you through. Uh, my family and I were recently in an accident out in Colorado. We were driving down from the Continental Divide down into Denver, and it's really, really steep there, 8 9% grades. Uh, there had been nonstop snow in the area. Area, and I had been 
disciplined through all the wet areas. And then as it started drying out, I started stepping out in the faith of my father who has never saw a car. He did not want to see how fast would go. And so I began to drive less conservatively. I wasn't breaking the law at all, but neither was I like worried about every place my tire tread. Uh, so we were driving down, we're starting to speed up, and there was an area that's shielded, shielded by the mountains and the winds, and when you come around this corner, uh, it wasn't dry. There was still ice and snow. Everyone was at the speeds where you go if the highway is dry or dry-ish, and all of a sudden, the highway becomes covered with ice and snow again. I look ahead of me, and I see cars going everywhere. I mean, it's like, imagine, um, uh, <laughs> it's like... You know, you open the door in a nasty place and uh, the roaches go everywhere. You know what I mean? It's like the roaches are going everywhere. And you're like, whoa, Jesus, take the wheel. And I, I looked up and I saw a car spinning in front of me. I saw trucks and I instantly, instantly knew there was no way I was able to get through that mess. There was no way I could get through that mess. I was going to hit somebody. And so I decided, well, let's delay it as long as we can. And I started pumping those brakes just hard as I can. As soon as you, lock, as soon as you hit the brakes, uh, even with anti-lock, the ice is so bad. I mean, we're going this way and I'm letting off and hitting and hitting. I'm just looking for holes. I'm just trying to steer through. We slid for a long time. My wife is screaming Jesus as loud as she can. My little girl's just screaming. <laughs> Uh, my son never missed a moment on Minecraft. He thought it was part of the game. <laughs> True story. He's like, Dad, this is the best mod ever. I mean, it like throws you around. Cars are crashing. Women are screaming. Score for the gaming team. Um, I, 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 I am convinced to the marrow of my bones there's no way that I can get through the weaving of cars and trucks that are in front of me. Somehow, the car on the left, it is now turning to face me as it slides, and I know as it's turning, I'm going to hit the driver's side rear uh, panel of the car. There's no way I'm not, and I, there's a truck beside me, and I decide, well, I would rather scrape the truck beside me than T-bone the car in front of me, and I'm just pumping, and my wife is screaming, and, and, we're, and I'm just woo. You didn't know I could dance, but if you'd have saw me on that day, you'd been like, Pastor Nate can break it down. That's all I know. I was, my rear was going that, you know how good dancers go? Like their head goes one way, their booty goes the other way. You're like, I can't do that. I'm, I, I just can do the white man sway. You know what I mean? That's all I do. And we were going, and I, and I right as I got where I was going to hit that car, the, the, the spin of it continued and it went right out of the way. I was too close to the truck on my side, but I was totally good with scraping the guy beside me rather than T-boning the person in front of me. I'm thinking, there's no way I don't get scraped on this truck right here. Somehow, just as it's about to touch, it starts sliding away and there's this pocket that opens up in front of me and yea, behold, verily, there was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and they were saying, well done, my good and fa favorite driver. I can't believe I've missed these cars. And there's this open pocket and I'm like, oh, I, may I can't believe it. Oh, I look at my wife, she's still screaming Jesus. She's totally not impressed. And I'm like, whoa, Oh, man, we made it. And of course, at the moment you think you have held it all together, what happens? Well, if you thought life happens, that would have been the correct answer. And boom, from behind. The guy behind me was not Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's favorite driver. That had just been bestowed and betitled, word for the day, betitled upon me. And uh, we all were safe. We were fine. And I now have this confession to make. Sometimes when I close my eyes, I still see all of those cars in front of me going different directions, and I hear my wife screaming Jesus, and I hear my daughter screaming, and I hear my son. Pew, 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 pew. And so um, I don't know, full, full, full honest confession, I don't know how I miss the cars. Um, although I am a great NASCAR level driver, I'm not that good. Just kidding. I'm just a normal driver. Uh, the Lord protected us in that moment. And all I can say is that when I can't hold it together, God can hold it together. 
As a pastor, I'm often put in situations where people tell me quite serious, quite heavy, quite debilitating problems, and then they're like, okay, your turn, fix it. And of course, I'm like, <laughs> you wish. Um, you know, it took you three years to make this mess, and now you want a word. I have a word for you. It's going to take you about three years to fix this mess. Um, you understand what I'm saying? And what do we do when we come to the end of our abilities? What do we do when we recognize I am at my wit's end? You know, there's a place called wit's end. The psalmist wrote a whole psalm about it. They who do business in great waters. He said, these see the salvation of the Lord. The waves toss them to and fro. And the psalmist says, and they are at their wit's end. How many of you know, have lived some part of your life at wit's end? It's not the best place for you to live. I would recommend you do not buy property there. Just get out of your lease as soon as possible and get out of wit's end. But when I am at the end of myself and I don't know how I'm going to wade through this risky situation, when I don't have a simple answer to give to the drama that is unfolding in front of me. I want to tell all of you this truth. God has not asked me to hold it all together. He has promised me that he is going to hold it all together. By his mighty word, he holds the universe together. Oh, I, I'm going to say it again. I think somebody here needs to receive this as spiritual promise in their life. By his mighty word, he holds, somebody say holds, he holds the universe together. After the Son had washed away our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the glorious God in heaven. I want you to know this right here. God is going to be with you in your difficulty. God has not abandoned you in the struggle of your lives. God has not set you alone to answer, to solve, to conclude. He said, I will never leave you. I will be with you. What did he say? Always, even until the end of the age. Your friends may give up on you. It's always surprising to find out who gives up on you in the tough times of your life. It's always surprising. People who you thought, they'll be like, I'll be there for you. I'm your ride and die. The first time there's trouble, they ghost you. They turn into Casper. They just, they disappear. And then people, you're surprised. You never expect them to show up, but they show up with a shovel and say, where's the body? It's astonishing how these kind of things work, but I want you to know this above anything else. When God said he would be with you, he said, I I'm going away and it's good for your sakes. I'm going away. And they're like, what do you mean it's good for our sakes? What he is saying is in the flesh, I am a one entity at one place. Yes, God manifests. Yes, the eternal son of God. Yes, Jesus Christ, who will save his people from their, from their sins. But when I come back to you, I can take up residence in your heart. And I am going away, but here is the mystery of godliness. I'm going away, but I will come to you. I want to tell Anyone facing any difficulty here today, anyone who is wrestling with pain, sorrow, loss, disappointment, I have a message of hope for you today, and I am giving it to you like this. Whatever is flying apart in your life, you need to open your hands, you need to surrender your spirit, and you need to say, God, you're the one that can hold it all together. Somebody give God some praise right now. I love the famous quote that uh, Margaret Thatcher, who uh, was a famous leader of uh, Great Britain during uh, some of their most difficult restructuring and uh, reorganizing uh, times, was uh, she's famous, famously known as the Iron Lady. 
uh, because she had such strength of character and purity of will. Um, you should not judge someone's strength by how you perceive them. Uh, oftentimes, we're surprised by the people who have real grit and the people who you thought that would have strength. Well, they fell apart uh, the first time life uh, got a little difficult. Um, uh, Saddam Hussein had just invaded uh, Kuwait, and the world really was facing a conventional battle, and it had been a long time since the world had faced a conventional battle. George H.W. Bush began to rally uh, nations, but in the beginning parts of that diplomatic effort, there was a lot of struggle. A lot of people didn't want to pay up. A lot of people didn't want to be involved, and he got discouraged by the process, and he expressed his uh, discouragement to Margaret Thatcher, yes, the Iron Lady, and she famously gave this quote, which is in many ways a statement of character for her. She said this, I wish I could say it in a very proper British accent, because that would just be super fun. Accents are super fun. Uh, But she said something uh, to the effect of, uh, remember, George, this is not the time to go wobbly. Remember, George, this is not the time to go wobbly. I know you see me with tea, but that should not make you think I'm weak. I know you see me in a hat, George, but you should not think it's time to be weak. I know you think of yourself as a tall combat veteran man who flew uh, the F-4 Corsairs in World War II in uh, the Battle of the Pacific. I know you think of yourself as tough and you think of me as a mother in politics, but I want to say to you, George, it's not the time to go wobbly. I want to tell everyone here in difficult times, I want you to get this in your spirit. God's going to hold you together. I don't know what to do about this. I don't know what to do about that. God is going to hold you together. I'm tired of being sick. I'm tired of financial troubles. I'm tired of being alone. Hear this preacher. God is going to hold you together. It's not time for you to go all wobbly today. You made up your mind to serve God. You said, I am yours and you are mine. You said, though an enemy encamped about me, I shall not fear. You said, I am yours. I repent of my sins. You said, nothing can separate me from the love of God. And this preacher has come to tell you today, now is not the time to go wobbly. Man, I wish I could preach better than I'm preaching. This is a purified, distilled, 180 proof. Is that a lot? My wife's the expert on alcohol in our family. Uh, Is 180 proof a lot? Is that good? That's a whole lot. That's too much to like take vinegar, uh, put with, uh, 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 what am I trying to say, vanilla? Don's an expert on alcohol too. He says that 180 proof, you can like blow stuff up with 180 proof. Like your marriage, you could blow your marriage up with 180 proof, yeah? yeah you, could, you could blow up your career, yeah? You know people you blow up your career? You can't blow up your marriage because that'll be the end of your life. At First Church, we don't believe in divorce, but we do believe in homicide. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what y'all say. Uh, What was I preaching about? I don't remember what I was preaching about. You need to have in your spirit the confidence that it was never up to you to hold it all together. It was up to you to believe that God could hold it all together. He never said you can hold it together. Now, let's be honest about stewardship here for a moment. I want to be completely transparent. I don't want to give you a fairy tale type positive mental attitude sermon here today. And I want you to understand stewardship as what God will not do for you. And that'll help you understand what God will do for you. The best way to understand this is to see Adam and Eve in a garden of God's intentional placing them. God placed them in a garden. In chapter 2 of the book of Genesis, we are told and shown that God planted a garden east of Eden, and he placed God plants, and then he places God plants, and then he places... 
none of us, none of us know how to speak. And there come a whole ecosystem of life growing out of dirt. Y'all remember the joke about the scientists who finally called heaven and said, Lord, we've arrived at your level. We know how to do what only you can do. We figured it out. We now can make life. And the Lord said, interesting, tell me more. And they said, well, we're going to uh, take dirt and we're going to put chemicals on it and change the conditions of it, run electrical current through it, and there's going to be life in that. And the Lord said, okay, that's awesome. Show me. And so they, they, they went and they dug up some dirt and they said, all right, we first want to show you this process. Here, here's the dirt. And the Lord says, let me stop you right there. Use your own dirt. Don't be using my dirt and then tell me what you can do. You see, the lesson of the garden is that God plants, God does what they cannot do. Adam and Eve cannot bring to life an ecosystem that glorifies the creative genius of God. They cannot speak and let there be. Their words cannot organize their heaven, the heavens, but let me tell you what they can do. They can care for what God has done. Now you see stewardship in the life of Adam and Eve. God planted it and God placed you, but God will not care for your garden. Come on now. I, I, I'm always frustrated when people, people they, 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 they make a mess and then they, they want God, they want God to do um, that which they need to do. God is less invested in uh, uh, doing things for you than he is in doing things to you. <laughs> the goal is not to work in your stead. The goal is to teach you how to become in a spiritual progression. And so Adam, you're going to care for the garden. You couldn't plan it, but you can care for it. Let me tell you this. If you're mean enough to your spouse long enough, you're going to have problems. It won't be God's fault. Right. Boy, it's quiet. I got, a, I got an amen from Melix over here. That's because he knows he better say amen loud enough for Holly to hear him. Otherwise, there's going to be trouble at the ranch. You know what I'm saying? Just, just go ahead and confess over here in Jesus' name. I want you all to see, I want you to understand, if you treat your spouse mean enough, ugly enough for long enough, you're going to have problems. You don't get to blame God for that. Why? He gave you something precious. Now, you need to keep it. That's right. You show up for work late every day this month and see how that works out for you. You can't then blame God because you're in trouble at work. Why? You won't even care for what he has given you. So speaking spiritually, I see a lot of rich people here today. Speaking spiritually, I see a lot of wealthy people here today. It, as, it is as though God went on a long journey and having infinite wealth, he said, I want to give you talent. Let me give you some talent. I want to give you health. If you have health in your body here today, you're richer than the richest sick man in the whole wide world. And there is no rich sick man who would not trade his or her money for your health. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. This, you think this is, I think this is pretty good. I, I think it's pretty good. I got an amen for my wife. The rest of you suckers, I don't care. My, my wife said amen first time today, right? No. Second, I want you to hear this truth. You are spiritually blessed. Somebody say, I'm blessed. I'm going to say something God has done for you, and I want you to shout with all your voice, I'm blessed. God woke you up in your right mind. Ooh, I like the way that sounds. God brought you from a long path of sin and error. God did not leave you as he found you, but God invested in you. He gave you his word. He gave you his spirit. He said he'll be with you always. He put the devil under your heel. Yay, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Oh, I couldn't hear you. Somebody say it. I'm blessed. Praise be unto God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Put your hands together right now and give God a shout in this house.
right. You may be seated. Quit yelling at me. Why y'all's yelling at me? I've been nice here today. If you're visiting, I want you to know I'm very dignified. Just because I yelled a little bit, that doesn't mean I don't, well, yeah, it does, but moving along. I want to use an example that, if you think about it, it's amazing. Um, God has an issue of knowing, you see, let me, let, me, let me restart that. I didn't do a good job. Um, from Genesis to Revelation, the story of humanity and deity is a love story. And if you don't understand the love story, then what you miss is worship. If you understand a duty story and live in law, poor you. <laughs> you don't understand worship. Um, but a love relationship is to serve God out of love, not because he's going to get you. Now, imagine my wife telling me, if you don't say three things nice to me today, I'm going to cut your allowance. That's actually happened now that I think about it. <laughs> um, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm attracted to you today. What can I say? I just want to tease you. I can flirt in public. They, these people are good. Is that okay? I th uh, she's like, okay, enough. All right, enough. Um, do you understand what I'm saying? If everything you do to make marriage work is the result of you better, then you poor darling you. That's, that's not, if you, here's the reality of love. If you don't want to love me, let's stop pretending. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you don't want to be here, I mean, come on. What am I going to do? Sue you to be here? Um, love is very much a choice. And so imagine that you were super, super rich, like say, oh, who can I pick on here today? Uh, Melix. You're super rich like Melix. And um, you, uh, you're single, not like Melix. And uh, <laughs> where's Sister Holy at? She's next door? Saved by the bell. <laughs> um, how would you know if somebody you were dating, everybody loves dating, right? Yeah, shoot me now. Um, how would you know if they loved you for who you were or they just wanted what you had? You see, this is the love problem. Uh, this is why the ancient philosophers don't have time for this, but I'll just throw it in for the nerdy types. Um, ancient philosophers believed in the fallacy of the unequal relationship, uh, and they very much believed um, it even went into their religion, uh, and that's why they believed that any god who would get involved in humanity would ungod him or herself. That's what they believe uh, because of the challenge of the unequal relationship. How do I know that you choose me if what you really want is me to pay your rent? How, how do I know that this isn't a transactional relationship? Um, and so imagine God uh, looking for um, what was lost in the garden, which is the love of choice. Why do you think there was a tree in, of the knowledge of good and evil? Because if you don't want to love me, let's not play make-believe. There's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can reject me. That's the story of sin. Uh, so God obviously has this problem. If we were to see him as he is, um, uh, in fact, a day's coming when that happens. And the Bible says when that day happens, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The unbelievers are going to confess. The crazy people are going to confess. Because when you are facing the infinite glory, majesty, inexpressible, ineffable essence of God, all of a sudden, all of your arguments are, you understand what I'm saying? And so at that moment, every knee bows, every tongue confesses. But notice at that moment, there's a change in mercy and grace too, because you didn't choose him. You see what I'm saying? And so uh, that's a message I preach some other time. Um, the, the challenge is how, how does God tell a love story when he is infinite and we are lowly, when he is mighty? Uh, he does it through faith. If you want to find a way not to believe, you can talk yourself out of it. Faith becomes the earnest money of love. Faith becomes the 
proof that I am not doing theological gamesmanship here, but that I choose you. I love you. This is the story of Job. Again, just going to touch it because of time. Uh, The whole issue of Job is hell thinks love is transactional. Yeah. Of course Job loves you. It's in his self-interest to love you. That's the question of Job. It's the first book to be written in the chronology of writings um, as far as historical copies. Um, love is transactional. <laughs> what have you done for me lately? Ooh, ooh, yeah. Oh, cringe moment. Okay. Love is transactional. That's hell's view of love. That's not heaven's view of love. Heaven's view of love goes like this. Though he slay me. Man, I wish I could preach better. Though he slay me, yet... The question of Job is... Is humanity capable of heavenly love? Or is it only capable of hell's love, Lucifer's love, transactional love? We are called to that divine love, the agape, the non-transactional love. But true, but to be fair, we're often tempted in the flesh to live in transactional love. Part of your spiritual becoming is to grow from transactional love to uh, divine agape love. It is not easy. It is the hardest thing any of us do, but it is the way. And even if all you can do is take one step in that direction, it is the way, my brother and my sister. And so uh, here, uh, heaven uh, is inviting us to this non-transactional love, this love of place and wholeness. Heaven's love is when uh, we are face-to-face. This is what heaven is going to be. And we merge into one. We are as he is. We merge into one. Common values, common calling, common everything. We are, watch this, complete in you. That's why a marriage where two people turn away from each other will never prosper. You're looking outside to be made complete. I'm not saying you can't have other friends, hobbies, and whatnot. That's just silly. Let's not be silly today. But I'm saying for my soul's sake, my soul is in her hands. Do you see what I'm saying? My soul is made complete. And if I'm letting my my soul be made complete in anything else, then wholeness and, speaking spiritually, holiness, wholeness and holiness is a facade. Okay, so that's the kind of love God invites us toward. But how can he know that we choose him out of love as opposed to self-interest? Well, uh, the answer to this is faith. I'm going to move. You aren't going to understand. Can you still love me? Uh, Now, if that's all you get from this sermon here today, I hope you let that strike you like a freight train. Are you ready? I'm going to work. I'm going to open doors, close doors. I'm going to bless. You're going to go through ups. You're going to go through downs. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. Can you trust me? Don't talk about love if you can't trust me. You're going to understand blessing because you yourself always thinks you deserve blessing. And then trouble's going to come, and you're going to wrestle with God. How could I deserve trouble? Can you trust me? Or do you just show up when the good day has come? <sighs> Are you the commitment that says, I commit to be with you for better, but not for worse? <clears throat> um, and so... How would God testify of himself and keep faith alive? Because he could testify of himself in a way where faith was no longer required, and then it would be no longer a love story. What would it be? A fear story. So how would you do it? Um, If you were to survey scientists and ask them what the greatest mysteries in the world are, uh, this has been done a lot. Uh, Most scientific publications will do something like this at the end of the year or something like that. What's the greatest mysteries? Time magazine will do whole special issues with greatest mysteries of the universe. You'll know what probably the most common thing when scientists and particle physicists and theoretical physicists and various pointy-headed mathematical types, the most common thing that they say when you ask 
them about the biggest mysteries in the universe? Uh, I was hoping you'd ask me because I prepared an answer for you. Having done the research, the answer is this. Why does everything hold together instead of fly apart? Now you're like, huh? We call it gravity. Why is gravity one of the greatest mysteries in the universe? I'll tell you why. Because particles are so small. Um, I don't have time today, uh, but if you were to take uh, the size of an electron, an electron is so small. I know a bunch of you are going to want to check, fact check me later. I encourage you to do so. Do you know electron has never been observed? An actual electron has never been observed. You can sense it, but it has never been observed. There has never been a picture taken. It's too small. There is no evidence in terms of seeing. The only evidence for it is in effect. Now, if you want to experience the effect of electron, I encourage you to find an electrical socket and stick your pinky into it. You will have a very admirable anointing of the electron upon your life at that time. Actually, don't do that. That's actually dangerous, and I shouldn't make that kind of a joke. Um, you literally could uh, uh, electrocute yourself. So that was a joke, but you understand my point. Don't do, don't do this at home, children. Um, these mysteries of the universe, the electron is so small and the distance by which it would orbit, say, um, something, or a proton and a neutron. I am not a particle physicist. I'm not trying to pretend I am. But the distance between them is so vast, so vast compared to their size, it's almost as though, like, what influence do they have on each other at all? They are so far apart in real terms. Why does the universe hold together? Let me give you an idea of how much space there is compared to how much matter there is. Are you ready for this? An average cubic meter of space has one hydrogen atom in it. This is of the visible universe. So you have a cubic meter, and there is in this space one tiny, infinitesimal hydrogen atom. How does this even work? Why do things hold together? And I would suggest to you that there are seven mysteries to gravity that when you talk to a particle physicist or a theoretical physicist, they will confess, not in times of old, but in their writings and interviews this year, they will confess that they have no idea why gravity works, how it works. There is only a theory of observing it, observing it. We call that Newtonian physics. It makes no sense in any other particle model. Gravity is a mystery. It makes no sense in quantum physics. It makes no sense in particle studies of, of related types. The only place it makes sense is when you back away and you look at the world from Newtonian physics. In other words, uh, planets and uh, stars and galactic clusters and all of that. Then you can see the effects of it. Uh, Isaac Newton was a believer. He was not an unbeliever. He was not an atheist. He had some public debates with people who were atheists. And there's a story, uh, it may be apocryphal, but it is associated with his history that goes like this. He had had a watchmaker make for him a little model of the solar system complete with gears and planets that went around. And it was just, uh, it was fantastically complex in the manner that only, say, a Swiss watchmaker could make. And one of his friends who was an unbeliever, an agnostic, came into his office and uh, saw it and was fascinated by it because here you have this model of uh, the solar system and it's made with the intricacy of a Swiss watch. And his unbelieving friend said to him, said, this is fantastic. This is amazing. He just stood there and he couldn't stop moving the little levers. He's just fascinated by it. And Isaac Newton is watching him do this. And finally, the guy said, "Um, you know, who made this? And Isaac Newton was like, (laughs) I was hoping you would ask who made this. And he said, "Um, oh, nobody made that. It just came together like that by itself. Y'all are looking at me like y'all don't have a, two brain cells to rub together. <laughs> he, he, not, not, no, no comment. You're smart as a whip down here. Don't be acting humble. We're not deceived by that. So the point I'm trying to make is this. 
This unbeliever thinks that the world in its infinite complexity just happened. And here is something no more complex than a watch, but he doesn't believe that just happened. He said, no, 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 who made this? And I was like, oh, it just happened like that. No, 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 that would not just happen. Uh, who made it? Who made it? And finally, he realized what Isaac Newton was doing it, uh, doing by trapping him in his own arguments. Why does the world work the way it does? What is gravity? Very quickly, it's one of four fundamental forces of nature. There's a lack electromagnetism. Don't let this deceive you and you think I'm smart. I'm not. I just fake it well. Electromagnetism is one of the four fundamental forces of the universe. And then you have the strong and the weak force of nuclear physics. The strong and the weak force. That's two and three. And number four is the mystery of gravity. Gravity is unlike anything else in our understanding of the universe. I'll give you some reasons why here in just a moment. It is unlike uh, the electromagnetism. It's unlike uh, the strong or the weak force of uh, nuclear, nuclear, nuclear physics. Um, for some reason, all that is created is attracted to everything else, and we call it gravity. Elect electromagnetism, both electricity and magnetism, they can attract and they can repel, but not gravity. Gravity only does one thing. It always pulls things together. Electricity can be positive or negative, uh, but not gravity. Gravity always pulls in one direction. Uh, the strong and the weak force can both appel, repel and attract, but not gravity. Gravity always, always attracts. Further, there's nothing we can see. It's We can sense an electrical force. It's right there. We can measure it. We can pretend we understand it. We can understand the flow of electrons like, like literally like uh, water. We can understand uh, the force of gravity as something to push and pull. The fields are there. The particles are there. Here's the problem. In gravity, there's neither a field nor there a particle. You cannot understand it in the manner of electromagnetism. You cannot understand it in the matter of the strong or weak nuclear forces. It is only that which pulls. That's the second mystery of gravity. It only pulls all other forces in gravity. Either uh, they can be opposites, and a lot of times they live in opposition, not gravity. Number three, why is gravity so weak? You see, if gravity uh, was just a little bit different than what it is, there would be no there there. There would be no here here. The whole universe would clump into one black hole, one uh, infinity of density if it was a little different. How much weaker, stay with me, is gravity than the next weakest force. What would be the next weakest force? The next would be the weak force of nuclear physics. What? How much weaker? Is it half as weak? You're not even close. Is it a thousand times as weak? You're not even close. Is it a million times as weak? You're not even close. This is how weak it is. You have to draw one and then make 36 zeros after it. That's how weak gravity is. But here's the reality about it. If you took one of those zeros off, and now gravity was only 30 times, 35 times as weak, there would be no here, here, or there, there. The universe would clump together. If you added one zero to it, and now instead of 36 zeros after it, you now had 37, there would be no here, here, and there would be a lot of there, there. The universe would fly apart. What makes it pull together? What is this mysterious? force that we can find nothing for. We can't find a particle for it. We can't, oh, I wish I was a good apologetics preacher. We can't find a field for it. We can't find a particle for it. There is a theory of the last couple decades that there has to be something that attracts to matter, and so we can't see it, we can't sense it. Maybe, maybe let's call it a graviton. This is a scientific way of saying a, a particle that draws. Have you ever seen it? No. Have you ever measured it? No. Have you ever s sensed it? No. 
Well, how do you know it's there? We don't know it's there. We call it a theory. Nobody knows why it all holds together. Nobody knows why the planets form. Nobody knows why this body forms. Nobody knows how it all holds together. It's So again, just to review, what is it nobody knows? Why does it only pull? Nobody knows. Why is it so weak compared to everything else? Nobody knows, but thank God it is. Why is it so finely tuned? Can life, here's number five, can life live without gravity? The answer is if you're already formed, you could go into space and survive, but they can't get plants to grow in space unless they create angular momentum and trick the plant that it's in gravity. And without plants, it doesn't matter if you can live for a while. Without gravity, you won't make it very long. Can we counter gravity? No, we can't counter gravity. No matter how many episodes of Star Trek you have watched, no matter how many times you have stood in your shower, lifted your hands and said, beam me up, Scotty, there is no such thing as anti-gravity. We don't have a theory for it. And the question the scientists left us with in this seven mysteries of gravity that was published in the New Scientist magazine is this. We don't even know if we will ever understand a theory of it because right now gravity does not fit in any theory that we have that explains particle physics and why the world exists. I don't know how it's all holding together. You can sit me with particle physics and I don't know how it's holding together. You can send me to CERN and I don't know how it's holding together. You can place me at the very seat of learning, the Institute of Mathematics at Princeton University. They don't know either. Nobody knows. It's almost as though God says, I'm going to show you every day in every way that I'm here, but I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock so you really can't see and you can still show me if you love me. I'm going to give an irrefutable testimony every day in every way, but I'm going to do it in such a way that if you don't want to believe, you'll find a way not to believe because this is a love story. God is seeking such to what? Worship him. It's a love story. How is it all holding together? Well, let me give you one of my favorite passages of scripture in all the word of God. Musicians, you can begin to come. Uh, This is from Colossians chapter number one, and we're talking about Jesus. I'm going to read a phrase, and you're going to say as loud as you can, yes. Are you ready for this? He is the image of the invisible God. I want to do it again. Jesus is the invisible, is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the firstborn of all creations. Watch this. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. In other words, whether you understand or whether you don't understand, whether you can see or whether you can't see, whether you're on the clue train or whether the clue train's on you. Invisible or visible, watch, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or all authorities, all things were created through him and for him. I want to read it again. I want you to say it. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. Excuse me. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. I'm going to say to you guys, I don't know if this is a spiritual side of the church or the carnal side of the church, but I I think it's the carnal side of the church because Don's right here on the front row. The mess you're in is not depending on you to hold it together. You need to let your arms open heavenward and you need to say, in him, 
all things hold together. I am not my own solution. Somebody say it with me. I am not my own solution. If I could have fixed it, it would have already been fixed. In him, all things hold together. What about my marriage? <laughs> in him, all things hold together. Whatever hope you can find is going to be in him even in the difficulty of relationships and the like. What about my uncertain health? In him, all things hold together. Whatever hope I find is going to be in the name of Jesus. Stand with me all across the house. As you stand, would you lift your hands? And would you say, Lord, I commit to you everything that's keeping me awake at night. Oh, some of you need to be praying this with some zeal in your heart and your mind. You need to say this before the throne of God. I commit to you everything that has been taken my rest. I commit to you everything that has filled my spirit with dread. I commit to you the uncertainty of my future. I commit to you the uncertainty of my health. I commit to you the uncertainty of my finances. I am living with this truth. In you, all things hold together. How are you going to make it? It's going to be through the name of Jesus. We're going into our prayer service right now. and I'm going to have Pastor Don come and lead our prayer service. But I, before we do that, I want to pray over you. And I want to challenge every one of you to turn away from your own solution for you and say, Lord Jesus, I need you to work in my circumstance. I need you to work in my heart. I need you to work in my life. If you aren't ready to step back and let God begin to work, he will let you keep trying to do it in the flesh. He will not force himself upon you. He'll let you keep trying. But here today in this house, as we enter into this time of prayer together, let me just say to our guests and our visitors, at any time you need to go, you can be dismissed. I want to encourage you to stay and linger for a moment, though. I want to encourage you to open your spirit to God. Vulnerability in the presence of God is often where you get the wisdom for your next spiritual step. Lift your hands all over the house. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would let the word of God produce faith in our heart and in our lives. I pray you would let the anointing of your spirit produce newness of life for us today. In Jesus' name, don't let us leave unstirred, oh God. Don't let us leave unchanged. Don't let us leave with a form and a, a title that no power. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.